Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. That music means it must be Friday and time to get the view from Victoria. Checking in once again with Ryan. Rob Shaw, political correspondent for Czech News. Rob, good morning to you. Good morning, Jill. Such a great intro on Friday morning. So we have lots to talk about as well. And starting off with something the Premier is doing. I'm hearing from British Columbians every day that are being crushed by the costs of daily life. And uh, one of those big impacts that they're seeing is ever escalating interest rates So that was David Eby speaking yesterday when he was being asked about this letter that he wrote to the governor of the Bank of Canada. A pretty unique letter. He is the first premier to write to the governor of the Bank of Canada, Tiff Macklem, in this case, arguing that uh, the 10 rate hikes since last March and a rate of 5% for interest, uh, which is now the highest in 22 years, is enough. Stop it, said the premier. Next week, when you think about it again, don't raise the rates anymore. It's having devastating consequences. People are not just feeling it on mortgages, but credit cards and car loans and lines of credit. Uh, and it's hurting affordability uh, in BC. Also, he points out undermining BC's home building efforts to, to build more supply because the high cost of financing is causing some developers and home builders to pause their projects or even cancel them outright. So I think there's different ways you can look at this. There, there's a bit of a populist touch here that we would more associate with John Horgan than the lawyerly David Eby uh, that we have come to know, uh, and the first premier to take on the Bank of Canada like this. Ironically, the only other politician who has written to the bank governor before is federal conservative leader Pierre Polyev, who wrote uh, that he wanted the governor to to quit. (laughs) And David Eby isn't writing that. Ironically, also, this is a double irony, uh, Eby and Polyev's uh, housing policies are very, very similar. They call on penalizing municipalities that slow down building and and giving cash to those who speed it up. And they're on opposite sides of the spectrum. So maybe maybe a little bit more in common between the two of them and their playbook than the New Democrats here would be comfortable admitting out loud. But uh, that that's the company that the premier is in right now. Yeah, certainly uh, some similarities uh, there. Uh, what about the, the letter, though? And, and I think his concerns, I'm sure a lot of people have those concerns. But is it appropriate for a premier and elected official to be writing and uh, suggesting how the bank... Uh, Governor, how Governor uh, Tiff Macklin should be doing his job. Yeah, there's two ways to look at that. I mean, the Bank of Canada is independent and it is supposed to be free from premiers and prime ministers getting in there and with their sticky little fingers and fiddling with economic policy. So that question went to David Eby and he said, look, like the governor is independent, but he's also not insulated from the reality of the world. And I'm just trying to tell him the reality of British Columbians. And if he considers that for one second, uh, then my mission is done. I've reached out to the Bank of Canada for comment. They had none. It's not clear if they even read the letter uh, or not, but uh, that that's one way to look at it. The other is, you know, and BC United, uh, the opposition party, put this out yesterday and said, this letter is an empty gesture and hypocritical because complaining about affordability 
uh, when you're the premier of the province who had just had $8 billion to spend on affordability and has direct control over more programs and rebates and things that could be doing on affordability, and you're just sort of pointing the finger upwards at the Bank of Canada is is deflection. And the housing crunch, I mean, it was the, <laughs> it was the new Democrats in 2017 that promised to build more than 114,000 new housing units, a minuscule amount of which has actually been built. So, you know, to blame the Bank of Canada on that as well is is passing the buck upwards. That's the argument from the BC United Party. And we do see premiers and politicians at all level, uh, a frequent tactic. You know, you if you're in trouble or you can't solve a problem, you go to the federal government, and you punch them in the face, and then you run away and you hope that the deflection is enough for people to get confused and, and not um, put all the blame on you. And so the, the premier can't control uh, inflation and he can't control interest rates, but he could be doing more programs to, uh, you know, solve the problems that he is, uh, the the problems of those that he's, he's blaming the Bank of Canada for. Right. And even if you look at if he's talking about housing and building and the problems with that, sure, inflation has a big part in that. But so does the provincial government, civic governments. And we talk about the costs and the added costs into housing, which he has direct control over from a provincial level rather than writing letters and asking other people to change things. He does, and we're expecting housing legislation this fall that will sort of flesh out the idea of the the municipalities on this target list who might get penalized and uh, whatever. But the the impacts of that, uh, if it works, will take years, potentially. And this is uh, part of the problem that the Premier faces on some of the big files, healthcare, uh, you know, housing, uh, the public safety. Sometimes the, the changes that you are making take a long time to develop and then even a longer time to show and in the meantime, you got to find ways to convince the public you're still being active. And so when we talk about public safety, the premier, you know, picked a fight with Ottawa on that one, too, arguing they needed to change a particular bill uh, and and taking that. Uh, and on health care, you know, all the premiers picked a fight with Ottawa on money and the funding formula for health care. If that was going to solve it, it hasn't solved it. Uh, here we are. So. Yeah, the, the, the real kind of buck stops probably at the provincial government for what it's choosing to do every day on affordability and housing and or not doing and the extent to which it's blaming other governments uh, for the problem. Let's pause right there. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about BC ferries, what passengers can expect for this busy Labor Day long weekend. Very frustrating. We come from the Okanagan, right? You know, um, my friend here tried to make reservations and couldn't get reservations. All right, that was a ferry passenger in the lineup yesterday uh, speaking with Global News. And as you just heard on the traffic report, very busy already at the ferry terminals. Rob, BC Ferries, though, says it is ready for this long weekend and doing the best it can. Well, it's ready in the sense that it's telling you, and the CEO, Nicholas Jimenez, said yesterday, if you don't have a reservation, and this is his exact quote, you will find it a challenging experience, which I think is the understatement of the year. And you just heard in the traffic report there that if you don't have a reservation, you're going to be sitting on your duff uh, until four o'clock this afternoon to try and get on a ferry, if that. So yeah, they're ready, but you know they're ready within a system which is crumbling due to the demand here. They have a big ship that's still out of service, that coastal renaissance. It's on the Duke Point, Sawasan route. Uh, it's sort of rippled through the the uh, service now because it will be out until mid-October. So there's other sailings canceled on other routes. And basically the Ferry Corporation, again, saying it's ready, 
urging you to walk on. Now, we know from previous weekends, if you try to walk on, um, you may discover that the parking lot is full. So you're going to have to take that into consideration. You arrive and there's nowhere to park your car. Uh, so you're going to have to try and take transit there, which uh, is a journey uh, because these ferry terminals, which you built many, many years ago, are in the equivalent of nowhere at the outer ends of Victoria and uh, Metro Vancouver. So, yeah, they're ready to go within the confines of what they have, which is a very difficult experience for people on the fourth busiest uh, weekend of the year for BC Ferries. Now, I'm talking about the coastal renaissance being out of service. As we know, it's being fixed. It's going to be a while until it's back in. Is that really the, the biggest problem or is it kind of a, a whole bunch of different things? And this is adding to it, having that one vessel out. Yeah, it's. I mean, we would be in the same situation if the vessel was in. We'd just be talking about it differently, that there's too much people, too many people and not enough ferries, which is the supply and demand issue that the CEO has said. Uh, and so, yes, the coastal renaissance uh, makes the situation worse. And uh, again, it's easy to sort of pin it on it. But if you didn't have a reservation and that ship was still in service, you would be uh, sitting there in the line for many, many sailings on this long weekend, too. And so... We, you know, are heading into a place this fall where people get to consult with BC Ferries on what they want to see the future of this corporation be. You're going to get a lot of um, consultation responses that are just something along the lines of, I just want a ferry system that works. <laughs> um, but to get there is a very, very complicated, um, you know, series of investments and terminals and big ships and larger ships and more ships. And so... Um, this is the reality we are in for BC Ferries for the foreseeable few years, I think, on, on busy, busy long weekends. And I would imagine for this long weekend, too. And like you said, even though Ferries has said, you know, we're, we're hoping for the best. We have these these plans in place. We're ready for the weekend. It, it really is, I, I think, too, fingers crossed, because if anything goes wrong with any of the boats that are in play right now, if anything breaks down or, or there's a delay because of that, it's going to throw things into chaos again. Yeah, they're out of ships. So if anything goes wrong, there's no help coming. Uh, you are going to work within the system that you can if a ferry is late for some reason. And often it's outside of their control, a medical emergency, a vehicle that's stalled or something like that. It ripples again through the entire day. Uh, we're trying to get that back on time, pushes people back, pushes reservations back outside of their windows, makes things complicated. It is a system that is operating at, uh, at its maximum. It is stretched, as the CEO says. It is there is no room for error anymore, and um, it's struggling. And yeah, the, there could be something that happens this weekend. The website could go down again. The, the reservation system could go down, and it doesn't take very much to plunge people into gigantic lines and frustration. But that's living on the edge when it comes to BC ferries, which is, again, where we're going to be for a little while. And and Rob, also, I know we're focused a lot on the long weekends, but uh, I'm sure people that live on the Sunshine Coast or visit the Sunshine Coast are also going to be concerned that uh, starting September 5th, there are going to be a lot of cancellations there as well. So certainly not uh, smooth sailing after the long weekend. Yeah, 60 extra sailings to that Horseshoe Bay to Langdale and then the Horseshoe Bay to Departure Bay sailings, again, because of the coastal renaissance, which will be out of service um, for some time. Uh, that is, again, a function of there's no other ships available to pick up those sailings, according to BC Ferries. And so you just you just literally cannot do them. 
And the hope is that the coastal renaissance is not um, broken to a larger extent. There's, you know, BC Ferries trying to figure out how to fix the engine problems and where to send them. And the other coastal ships are not lemons. And BC Ferries yesterday defending them, saying, yeah, they, the coastal celebration broke down on the Victoria to uh, Sawasan route, but uh, like the rest of the coastal ships seem okay. I'm not sure. Um, I'm not an expert on that, but we'll have to go with BC Ferries saying we, they didn't they didn't build a bunch of, you know, uh, lemon ships. But uh, every time one of them goes out, again, you have that ripple effect. So this Horseshoe Beta Langdale uh, problem in, in September and into October is a function of that. All right. Well, again, fingers crossed as we get through this very, very busy weekend on the ferries. Rob, thank you so much. Simi is back on Monday, but thanks so much. It's been great chatting with you. Yeah, great chatting with you too, Jill. We'll talk to you later.